Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Real Jordan Demi in Los Angeles. It's Jordan Edwards in New York. It's Demi Ramos. Today, we've got Kira Kosserin. What's going on, Kira? Hello, hello. I didn't realize you guys are bi-coastal. Fun, fun, fun. First of all, Kira, let's talk about this new EP. It's kind of your first, like, I feel like I know you've been releasing music since the Thundermans, but I feel like this is like your first, like, real adult, like, meaty. 100%. Yeah, well, it's also, yeah. it's my first EP with the label, uh, and it was the first piece of music I had put out in, like, two years. So it feels really good to have some some current stuff out in the world. Uh, yeah. Tell us about how you, this is put together. Are, are, did you work with, have you been working with the same songwriter producers for a while or, or uh, how did, how did like the, how did it come together? There were actually a lot of different people on this project, uh, sort of half by a factor of just that I had just taken on this new team at Republic and, uh, had a new A&R team and they were putting me in rooms with all these new people that I had never met before. So there's quite a few names on the project, which is fun. Several of which I'm, I'm still working with a bunch, but like half of it was made in this studio that you're looking at right here. Um, some of like half of it came out of ideas that I had written at home and came into sessions with, and then the other half was just stuff that we figured out on the spot. But the whole thing sort of has this, this through line of like all of these really big things, new things like happened back to back to back to back in this crazier of my life that also happened to be during the pandemic. And like, it was just this very emotionally intense year. And I kind of wanted to take all of those exciting, good things and like, Put them into a little time capsule of a record um hence the hence the something new type. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah we didn't even say it's called something new we should we should you should have given yeah. the title out yes yes, yes sorry yeah. uh it's spoiler yeah. alert. it's called something new and uh yeah it sort of speaks to this year of like it's my first like roommate in the form of uh my first really serious relationship and then my like a whole new career getting to finally do music full-time and signing this record deal and like just so many shifts in priority and life and opinion and uh, health and mental health and all of that happening during this crazy year. So that's what sort of birthed this little, this little project baby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now you gravitate towards this. I would, I don't think it's this, this music, the music you make is, it's kind of R and B pop oriented. Yeah. Um, it's very smooth. I think of when I, when I listen to, it, I was thinking people like, you know, it kind of has like a, um, a Nora Jones kind of feel, but like a little bit more, I don't know, less jazzy, I guess. Yeah. I, you, it feels like you hit the nail on the head. Cause I, I grew up listening to, you know, my, my parents tasted music. So like on my yeah. mom's side, it was totally like, you know, the Nora Jones style singers. And then all of the like early 2000s singer songwriters, like right. my mom had a playlist called girls and it was just like Colby Kelly, Ingrid Michaelson, Sarah Bareilles, like all the, all the Natalie Michelle branch. Got to get some Michelle branch. Totally. In yeah. All yeah. of the early 2000s hits. And then, uh, on my dad's side, it was a lot more like folky, like, you know, James Taylor, but also like a lot of gospel and seventies stuff. And then as I grew up, I listened to like nothing but R and B for several years. And I'm a, I'm a big old sponge when it comes to music. I have a lot of influences and they all like seep under my skin. So they all find their way out in various parts of my, my own music. Right, yeah. right, right. 
Uh, now it's been, it's been well documented that you're, you know, your parents were Broadway people. You grew up with music. You wanted to be a performer. Yeah. Did you play guitar? Did you play any instruments when you were young or did music kind of like evolve in terms of like playing it, being able to play piano yeah. or anything? How did that evolve? So I took piano lessons when I was really little. Uh, and then I wanted to join middle school band and I don't even really remember how, but I ended up playing flute, which you can see behind me is my flute from middle school. Yeah. So I was a band kid. Um, and then when I moved to LA and started like auditioning, I would get a lot of auditions where the role was musical and they would say, you know, if you can sing, bring a guitar and play. Um, and I didn't play guitar. I had a flute, which I couldn't sing with and I played piano, but I could never find a piano at auditions. So, uh, I got a, I got my guitar when I was like, 10 or 11 and got super obsessed with it and learned how to play like every Taylor Swift song ever released. The yeah. Yeah. I that was like the sweet that. spot. Cause you're, you're yeah. 24 turning 25. So when you were 10, that was like the Taylor Swift, like, Oh yeah. Yeah. So the first yeah. concert I ever went to, I had a, I had a friend at school who was like, come to my birthday, come to a concert. And I had no idea what a concert was at that point. I thought it was just going to be like a little room where they were like playing the music and the artists. Like, I just, I didn't really have much frame of reference for what like a stadium show would look like. And it was Taylor Swift's, I think it was her fearless tour at wow. this like massive stadium. And I was just like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. 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 Hold on. Demi, can you hear us? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I didn't know you, you just been in silent. Um, so I have to ask, are you like done with acting? Are you like taking a break? Or are you just like, no, I'm good. I mean, you know, you never know what the future holds. I, you know, when I, I, I worked on the show from ages 14 to 20 mm -hmm. and, you know, from ages 10 to 14, I had this huge goal in mind of like, I wanted to, to be on a Nickelodeon or Disney show. Like I wanted to make kids laugh. I was a goofball and like, I was yeah. kind of insecure as myself and always felt more confident when I was playing a character. And then we never expected the show to last <laughs> as long as it did. They kept being like a few more months and then a few more months. And then all of a sudden I was 20. And that whole time that I was working on the show, I was writing music and not allowed to put anything out. So when the show ended, I really wanted to give myself a little bit of time to just to just focus on music. It's just it's it's such a part of who I am and has been since I was really little. Um, and then especially now that I you know have signed with my dream label and like have the time to really focus on music. It's definitely where my my energy and resources are going. But like I still love making people laugh. I still love getting to dive into a character. So I'm not closed off to it in the future. But. I'm definitely enjoying being in my little studio right now. Yeah. Yeah. It looks, looks like a good place to create. And I love that you, you stuck with the flute. Um, yeah. yeah. I guess Lizzo, Lizzo made it cool again. So you can kind of, yeah. It was in storage for a couple of years and then we got it out and I've tried to bring it into sessions a couple of times, but uh, it hasn't, it hasn't quite made its way into any of my, my released songs yet, but. Yeah. There, there's an, there's a, there's an artist named uh, PM Beta who's playing school night tonight in LA and okay. um, as, as a recording interview and he played trumpet when he was a kid and he still, and he plays like, does like R and B hip hop kind of stuff, but he still does like trumpet solos in his music. Right. So you can find a way to yeah. like do some flute stuff at some point. It'll happen. When I, when the pandemic first started, I got really into trying to like learn production and, and get big on the tech stuff myself. And there was one week where I just came in every day and was just making like, making beats and I yeah. put the flute on a bunch of them, which was fun, but 
yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Maybe, maybe in a year we'll look back on this interview and be like, this is where it all started. Yeah. The flute is definitely one of those instruments that are just like, I mean, any wind instrument takes a certain level of skill. Wouldn't you say so about the flute? I feel like they all they all have their own little their own little quirks. I will say it gave me the embouchure to be able to like if you give me like an empty bottle, I can be like Ooh. you can do like, like a little like like yeah. Little, like, like, band. <laughs> yeah, it's a great great party trick. All these years later, yeah. <laughs> it was also, going it was back to the show. Oh yeah, I wanted to ask you about. Um, I mean, there are a lot of aspiring actors out there, and you know, how was the audition process for a show like? that was on uh, such a big network like Nickelodeon. Yeah, and were you so, nervous, were you confident about getting that role? So I was auditioning from, I moved out here when I was 12 and I booked the role when I was 14. And during those two years, I was auditioning constantly to where I got to the, the final two uh, actors for like 12 different roles. And every time it was, I had gotten really close enough times to know you know, okay, I'm on the right path somewhat. I'm doing something right. Um, and the audition process itself was was like most of the rest. So it was like an initial audition and then a callback, which back then was actually in the room, which I loved. I was an only child. And so any opportunity to like make adults laugh, I just was very happy with. But I would go into the room, have the audition, have a callback. And then I don't really remember how many callbacks there were. But then eventually there was something called a, a mix and match. Um, which in this case was also combined with like the network audition. So they, they bring in all the big guns to, to watch you audition. And they had like three people for every role there. Uh, and they were mixing and matching us to see who looked good together. Um, and a lot of the people at that mix and match have gone on to have very successful careers in and of their own right. Jenna Ortega was the second choice for, for the little sister, Nora. Now she's like had 15 shows of her own. Um, so yes, yeah, so they mix and matched us. And then they sent a bunch of people home until there was just one of us left for each part. And they took a photo of us all together and they were like, okay, thank you. And we left. And I was like, was that the cast, the official cast in the photo? So it was, except for one person, weirdly, there was a little <gasps> brother who was a different actor who they ended up deciding just didn't quite look enough like the rest of the family. Um, and yeah. so they ended up hiring Diego Velasquez who was out of town. So we didn't even meet him until the first day on set. He like walked into the schoolroom and was like, Hi. Like, who are you? Hello. But yeah, so I left the audition with a good feeling because, you know, they had sent home the other two girls auditioning for my part. Um, and I went to lunch with my family, with my dad. And it was like the place we always went after auditions as like a good luck charm. And my agent called and I got the part and I started like just sobbing at the table. And it's... <laughs> This is like an LA Studio City restaurant because from across the restaurant, like two waiters were like, did you just get a part? I'm like, dead. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's like the most <laughs> LA, LA moment story. ever. Oh, LA. And I'm just like this little 14 year old just like sobbing and my dad's like filming and- And, like, when, oh, the wait and when the waiter was like a, a disgruntled 45 year old actor who had been in Hollywood for 20 years, he's like, this, this punk girl gets this role. She's 14. Yeah, no, he was very sweet. And we, we continued going there for another couple of years. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's very cute. I don't actually know where that video is. I got to find it, but it's very cute. My dad's like, what's today? And I'm like, it's the day I, I booked I live. I'm just like, absolutely, absolutely <laughs> bawling. So yeah, good times. 10 years and ago, I, next I, month. 
I will, I will say that, you know, you do look like your parents in the show. Like they did like get people. Well, so I have to say, uh, Rosa Blasi, who played my mom, was already cast. She was the first one cast. And when I went to the mix and match, I met her and I was like, I look the most like her. This, this is gonna yeah, be you're like, I, I got this. I got this. So I give Rosa Rosa Blasi credit and thanks for having been cast before me because she probably helped my cause a little bit by looking like me. We had uh, Sky Cats on the show a while back who was in a similar situation that you were in coming from a children's show and then trying to become an adult. Have, how difficult was it for, for people? Because you were already 20. You were a legal adult for half of the run of the show. It wasn't like you were... 12 years old how difficult was it for to get people to look at you as an adult you know what i'm saying it was, oh i do yeah it was super difficult from a public eye perspective and it was also super difficult from an adolescent development mental health perspective um i think that i really felt the pressure when i first got off the show of trying to like prove to people who i was um and that sort of came out in the form of my my first ep was called off First EP was called Off Brand, uh, which is why I have this up in my studio. Um, and the reason I called it that is because when you're on a kid's show, every, it's in your contract that everything you do, say, wear, post has to be on brand at all times. And so wow. whenever I like booked a movie over hiatus and then wasn't allowed to do it, it was because it was off brand. Or like if I wanted to wear something to the Kids' Choice Awards that they said was like a little too short, it was like, oh, you can't wear that. It's off brand. So I put out this record that was really sort of like a little raunchy, a little like just trying so hard to be like, I'm an adult, look. Mm. And I feel like it backfired a little bit in my own mind just because I then very quickly was like, oh no, I, I don't need to be this like edgelord, sexual, like look how cool I am. I'm a grown up now being, I can just kind of be a person. You don't need to be 2012 Miley Cyrus. Basically. Although I have nothing but respect for the way she handled that. Cause it totally worked for her career. That is kind of what I was trying to do, but then yeah. well that's kind of what I was thinking as you were describing this. Yeah. yeah. I like, I had the idea in my mind of like the naked music video I was going to do. And then once I started getting sort of the, <laughs> the response back from people, I was like, Oh, I don't like how that feels. So also say, um, that was sort of one of the ways that I tried to to uh, handle that transition. But a lot of it, too, I think, is just time. Like, I just was so I wanted it to happen right then and there. I wanted people to just erase everything that they had in their mind of this character and take me for who I was. And I just realized eventually that that's not a fair thing to ask of people. Like, I'm very lucky that I got to make a character that kids felt like a friend to. Like, I had that experience as a kid, too. Um, and I think I have more sort of uh, respect and grace for that than I did maybe immediately after. I feel more grateful for it now and a little bit less uh, trapped by it than I think I did then. I definitely felt trapped by it for a minute, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know. Do you feel One happy? Feeding off of what you were talking about, one topic I actually wanted to ask you about was kind of what's like the real deal about working for such a big network like Disney or Nickelodeon that kind of, you know, takes care, takes actors when they're young. And then, yeah, so, and then, there's, you, you know, I mean, it's, yeah, I know exactly what you're asking. Um, yeah. Even though you kind of answered it. But half the rumors are true and half the rumors are hyperbole is what I'll say. Okay. So. The, the stories, the, you know, the, the horror stories that you've heard of kids being sort of put in positions that they're not necessarily thrilled to be in or being exploited, mm -hmm. whatever, those 
those stories can be real and those stories do happen. Um, and I know some people personally who have been put in some bad situations, but also it's a company like any other company. And so there are great people who advocate and stand up for the kids. And then there are some people who are maybe a little bit more business minded and, you know, it is a business at the end of the day. I think that's, that's the thing that is really weird in like young Hollywood is that you're dealing with kids who are, if not fragile, impressionable and going through really rocky time, you know, in life of growing up, but it's all on this massively heightened scale where there's a lot of money involved from the higher ups. There's a lot of interests at stake. There is a lot of people watching. So yeah, it, it can be hard for kids to remember that they're a cog in a business wheel and not necessarily a person at all times, but you know, it's child labor. It doesn't matter what kind of the work work it is. When there are kids being put in an environment where they're financially responsible for a lot of people's well-being, uh, mm. things are going to get funky here and there. Well, and we, before we, we started the show, I was asking you kind of, we were casually talking about how you like your internet version versus your real version, how cool you are on the internet versus, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> and you mentioned like, wanting to go sexier, um, but then kind of pulling back a little bit. Do you feel like you find it kind of hit a sweet spot in terms of your online persona? Yeah, I do. And it's not just the the sort of sex appeal thing, although that was definitely a layer of it when I was coming of age. I think it's a lot of things. I think it's like a sense of humor thing. I think it's an identity thing. Like it's hard to represent all of you when you're talking to the void. So, you know, when you're in a conversation with someone, you find common ground, you you sort of present the parts of yourself that make sense in that social environment. But like, I've always found it really difficult to try to represent a really accurate version of myself because I don't always know who I'm talking to when I'm just throwing things out into the universe. Also, like, I think it's impossible for anybody to, to fully represent themselves through social media. I feel like that's just a silly thing to even try yeah. to, to do. But yeah, I think I've, I think I've figured out a good balance. I think if you follow me, on any one social media, you have a pretty accurate representation of one very small person, part of my personality. And if you follow me on all of them, you get a pretty good representation of a few parts of my personality. I don't think anybody who doesn't know me in real life really knows me, but like, I don't think that's a bad thing either. I think it's good to have a little bit of privacy and a few fun stories in my back pocket that I only get to pull out at parties, you know? Yeah. I just had a thought that like anyone working in entertainment right now is expected to have every single social media, like Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. And I'm just kind of like, don't you think it's a little psychotic? When a How, song like, comes are we supposed to be on our phones all day long? Yeah. When a song comes out, it takes me three hours to make one post. On this is what I'm saying though. Three hours. We should all talk out against this and be like, yo, guys, like chill on the social media. Like go live your life. I feel like we should all start like a fucking foundation that's like anti-social media. Foundation. I mean, a non-profit organization. No. I will say this is, this is a dangerous thing to say given how much of my uh, life and career revolve around social media. But I very much encourage people to get the hell off social media, at least here and there. And I think that um, it's very, how do I say this? I think that there is, I'm seeing a movement towards sort of acknowledging the detriment it can have to our mental health and being willing to to step away for periods of time, which I think is new. Like I'm seeing people on TikTok start to be like, 
what if we just all did 24 hours a week with no phone or like one day a week just to try to like start to reclaim our lives a little bit um but but yeah i mean look they i well, said it at the beginning of the pandemic i was like ooh, this feels like the final push that was needed to push us fully into cyberspace and it kind of happened and here we are now dealing with the repercussions yeah because we had all this time on our hands right well and because it was the only way to connect and when it's the only way to connect it's great it's it's really it's better than having nothing but it's junk food connection it's not real nutritious mm -hmm. connection it's yeah it's quick dopamine but it, it's not fulfilling and yeah i mean the dopamine addiction is a whole thing in and of itself that i i have to come to terms with recently of how much of an effect it has on our brains and how important it is to try to like detox from that a little bit now and then and just like fold laundry and go outside and just like let your brain be bored for 30 seconds because it's so easy to always have new stuff coming into our brains these days that our brains are like desperate for that hyper overstimulation at every moment of every day now yeah. but also it's fun helps us connect helps us get inspired there are good things to it too yeah for the most part for the most part you mentioned uh earlier you know you talked about getting uh, you're on republic records now as opposed to being independent uh having a major label support uh first of all uh Congratulations on your billboard. That must have been amazing. Thank you. Have yeah. A billboard cool. out. Um, that's always like a landmark when um, an artist, I feel like that's like having a bill. We're, I moved you from New York and Demi's still in New York. And the big thing in New York is to have to get yourself on like the Spotify or whatever, the little like video yeah. board in Times Square. Um, so that's cool. Uh, what I wanted, what I was getting at was that going to Republic Records, having an infrastructure of a major label, having major label people. What was that transition like? Did you, how much freedom did you have in regards to producer you work with, songwriter, that kind of thing? Like, what was that experience like going independent to a major label? Um, definitely a change of pace. Um, you know, I mean, it, it is great to have a team. <laughs> you know, I really was doing it just me and like my dad was managing me. It was really an in-house uh, operation. And so having a team of people has been great and having people to sort of bounce things off of is nice so that I'm not just in my own little studio talking to myself every moment of every day, trying to figure out the best plan and what, what songs to put out and all of that. Um, obviously you relinquish a little bit of control, but they've, they've always been pretty supportive and pretty artist first. For the most part, they are happy to let me generate the ideas and then help me execute them. Uh, which is what I was looking for in a label in the first place and something that they promised from the start and have, have pretty much lived up to. So it's been, it's been good. Yeah. I, unfortunately, I, I, I haven't actually met everybody in person on my team yet, which is insane. I signed, uh, we started discussing two years ago and I officially signed a year ago and I'm finally going to meet everybody in person next week for the first time in New York because I'm allowed to to go in the office is open now post COVID. So I'm very excited to get to finally meet everyone in real life and hug the people that I've been zooming with twice a week for the past year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So outside of the music thing for, we didn't, we didn't, what kind of helped the, the transition to adult was uh, your part in light is a feather, which was kind of a good transitional 
kind of role and people see you as more a little edgier that kind of thing totally yeah, light as a feather and the the role i did on good trouble too really helped it was small but i was naked so yeah sliding scale of like edginess like a little yeah. part but i got everyone not fully naked so don't get excited people listeners um but i i you know and i get everyone in the house high i get the moms high by accident and it was definitely fun to be able to be in an environment that was a little bit less conservative and a little bit less covered up than than my Nickelodeon years. Light as a Feather was really fun. I uh, I had auditioned for the first season, actually. I had, had, had auditioned for a couple different parts that went to different people. And then when they came back around for season two, um, I auditioned for another role in season two. I think it was the role that ended up going to Caitlin Nacon. And then I went to, I'd auditioned for another role that went to uh, Adrian. Ray, I think is her last name. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing everyone's names right. But uh, I didn't get either of them. And then they direct offered me the one that I got. So I guess they had seen me so frequently that they were like, we already know what she's like. Like, let's just, this one will work. So they, they direct offered me the role of Nadia, which was really cool because uh, that doesn't happen very often. And I had a blast, man. I, I, I went and watched season one to prepare for season two and in the process, like became a genuine fan of the show. And so by the time I was actually on set for season two, I was like, oh, it's the house that I, oh, cool. Oh yeah, she's the, oh, that's how they do that special effect. Like it was fun to get to sort of be an actor and a fan at the same time. Um, so yeah, I had, a, I had a blast on that show. We've been looking at this amazing studio you have in your in your home with the and you have the the, the guitars and the keyboard and the amps, got the Marshall stack going there. Yeah, that's um, a point, it's a fridge. <laughs> Oh, it's a fridge. I thought it was an actual amp. Demi's like, I, I knew the whole time that it wasn't the real amp. No, the real amps are in the closets on either side of the computer, but uh, it does look cool. So what's your, do you record or play daily or do you use that more just like a space to chill out? Like what's kind of, how do you use that studio like on a daily basis, weekly basis? Yeah, it's gone through a few different sort of eras uh, as it were. Um, during the pandemic, I was writing at home, at my apartment alone most of the time, just writing on guitar sort of the way I did when I was a kid. And then I would come into the studio to record and like get demos down. So I've got my mic here and I would just vocal produce myself and uh, we would record the demos here and then send them off if need be. Um, I like to keep this as more of a like, more of an administrative work space than a creative space so i tend to go to my various producers homes to do the writing and the sort of creative endeavoring and then i'll come back here to record final vocals or to work on mix or to do any of the things that are like all right let's get to work and get this thing polished and finished uh but it is also um behind my parents house and there is a lovely pool right there and when we have pool days with our friends who are all musicians we inevitably end up drunk in here, you know, either that, that, like that, that dead ass sounds like a Disney Channel situation where like you're like swimming in the pool, <laughs> like the hey guys, let's go in and jam, and you like have a perfectly polished pop song like already ready to go, and everyone knows the words and everything. Like, and that's somebody's playing an electric guitar that isn't plugged in. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, we don't even jam so much as we play each other new music here. I've got a, I've got like a couple of friends who we show each other every single demo we ever make because. We want to share them with each other, but it's also such a good way to figure out how you feel about something you've made by like showing it to someone you love and respect. You figure out pretty quickly how you feel about it. 
it's funny you say that. Demi's in a musician. Demi's a musician. Demi's in a band. And I know that Demi would never play like old demos for people. Like that would never happen. I mean, right? old demos. There's <laughs> definitely like those few people. I think every artist has like those few people that they can trust with setting a demo to and then being brutally honest. Yeah, your circle. You've got to have your circle because otherwise you're just, like I said, you're just screaming into the void. <laughs> I know. I feel like I feel like it's your parents. So sometimes they just, that you can't send them anything because they just love everything. They love everything you do. You can send them just like white noise, and they'll be like, "It's great." Oh, my you mom's know. super super critical. Parents are musicians, so they're a little harder on me than that. But yeah, not mine. Not mine. But that's true. What was it like growing up with your parents? Were they? I mean, how supportive of your career and entertainment were they? <laughs> they were supportive in that they like believed in me and they trusted me and they respected me to make my own decisions as a person but they were very wary of me enter and doing an entertainment career just because they had seen so many kids go through working on broadway and getting into wow. really situations and having really difficult adolescences so they definitely like made me wait until they were like until I was 100% sure that this is what I wanted to pursue. They were not like, oh, she wants to be an actor? Let's ship her off to LA, like get her on TV. It was very much like, okay, you really wanna do this? Let's get you in classes every day. Let's get you in acting classes. Let's get you in improv classes, more dance classes, singing classes, guitar lessons. Like if you wanna do this career, let's put you in the training first and make sure that you love the training and are willing to like work hard at it. And then after a minute, they were okay with it. So like the first, the first like year and a half of my training for everything was back in Florida doing like Skype uh, acting classes and, you know, singing lessons at my school and stuff like that. And then we came out to LA to do like a summer camp acting workshop. And during that week, I happened to like meet my agents and get signed and meet my manager. And I had an audition and got to the final callbacks. And we were like, okay, cool. Like we had a trial. Little package together. Yeah. Like this looks like it might potentially be worth uprooting our entire lives in the pursuit of a dream that happens, you know, one in a million. Uh, but yes, but they were very supportive. And, and luckily, they were not, you know, stage parents living vicariously through me because they had already had their own careers in a slightly different space. They had already right. done their thing. So they weren't, you know, at the it very wasn't beginning. It was a dance mom situation. No, 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 no. <laughs> at the very beginning, I went on a couple of auditions and I came home and my mom was like, tell me everything. Did you do the third scene? How did you do the second line? What did they say? Did they like, and then she like stopped herself and she was like, I do not want to be this mother. I'm going to step away and you can tell me whatever you want or nothing at all. And I will just be here. And I was like, thank you very did much. Did you experience and a lot of that? Like with other child actors, were their parents like extra AF? Yeah. The thing that I saw the most frequently, which is really, really sad is I saw a lot of kids where they would come out for pilot season, which doesn't really exist anymore with new media, but there were a few years at the beginning of my time in LA where there was like a set few months where actors would come out, try to book shows, and then if it didn't work, they would head home. A lot of those families would have to split up because there were other kids involved. So one parent would come out here with the kid and wow. it would be a really hard time and it would be a financial strain and an emotional burden and the family would end up splitting up. And a, a lot of times what I would see happen is, you know, I would have a new friend at school and we would hang out and all of a sudden their mom and dad are getting divorced and they're moving back to Idaho or whatever it was, um, which was always really hard to see. It, it's a hard thing to make happen. You know, it's, it requires an insane, 
investment of time and energy before you see anything and, and there's no guarantee of what's going to happen. So yeah, I, I, I got a lucky that I had a very unique kind of strange situation where my mom had retired and my dad had had this crazy accident and was disabled and couldn't work anymore. And so we had nothing keeping us in Florida. That's not where we're from. We, we sort of were able to move at that point because we were, we weren't super tethered and I'm an only child. And so my family was able to come out here together, which is the one of the things in my life that I'm most grateful for. Um, and the fact that they're, they're still here and, you know, down the road is very unusual. And I, it, it is not lost on me how lucky I am to have that situation. I'm an only child too, so I can totally relate. And my mom is my mom is very much into everything. My dad is too. My mom is like, my mom watches this. My mom is watching this right now. And, <laughs> really? Um, and, she, and what bothers her is when Demi and I, when our heads are different sizes, like if I'm sitting back too far or Demi's too close, like she likes when our heads are like the same approximate size. And I feel like they are right now. So mom, I hope you really appreciate our heads being the same size right now and see <laughs> getting into it. And her head is also roughly the same size as ours right now. So I, unfortunately, I have this giant monitor because it's where we produce. And so your the camera's at the top of this very large computer. So I look little tiny, but that's why yeah. I keep hopping up on my chair so I can at least be the same height as you. <laughs> did you um did you get to do any kind of because you got Thunderman's you were 14, so you could have did you have somewhat of a somewhat of a, a regular childhood before you got into TV? So yes and no. I skipped a few grades. So I started high school when I was 12. So luckily I had already had two solid years of high school in the actual building before I booked the show and had to do the next two years on set. So that was good. I remember when I was young saying things like, oh, I'm so glad I wasn't a child actor. Like I didn't move out here until I was already in high school. And then the older I get, I'm like, oh my God, I was a child laborer. I was like, oh my goodness. I say that second cheek, obviously I don't mean to compare it to actual child labor, which is horrifying, but I definitely thought that I was like older and further ahead than I was. And now as, as, as a 24 year old, I'm like, damn, I really, I really grew up in a very unusual environment. Um, but yeah, I did get to do the first two years of high school in person. And then the second two years of high school I did on set. I did all my college applications and all of that stuff on set. Um, and then didn't get to go because the show kept getting extended at the very last minute. And I kept deferring and deferring and deferring. And eventually I was... And they're like, you're not coming. Just stop. You know, after after four years of being a graduate from high school and working full time, yeah. I was like, I don't think I can go back yet. Give me like a few years, which is weird because I grew up in a very like academic oriented family. I went to a middle school where like the first day of sixth grade, everyone said which Ivy League they wanted to go to. It was like that kind of high pressure competitive academic yeah. environment. Yeah, I was like, got into Stanford when I was- Which one did you say? Let's go. <laughs> Uh, well, I said Stanford because it was the like Ivy in California and I knew I could stay in California and I got in and then I was like, do I want to go? And I deferred. And That's also a flex to be like, I got into Stanford and just didn't go. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. I beat myself up about it for a while, but it's, um, yeah, I didn't actually do it, but I do get to say that I got in. So I will, I will, I try to remind myself of that when I feel like trash. Oh, you, 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 some shows coming up. Um, and I'm curious since your music career really like got going in its, the way it is, its path now, like during quarantine, have yeah. you done many live shows? What does your live show look like? Yeah. So I, I got 
um, very lucky. I was able to, <laughs> my dad's here. Hi dad. Uh, I was able to do a tour in September of 2019 where I went like around the world in 17 days headlining a Nickelodeon music festival, which the, I didn't get to do any music with the U.S. Nickelodeon team, but the international team was very supportive. I just made friends and they, they, you know, hooked me up over the years. So I got to play in, um, England, Germany, the Philippines. I got to stop in Abu Dhabi um, and do this whole little tour with them. So I've gotten to hit the road a couple times before, which is good. But the show these days, uh, this show that I'm doing on, on tour with Stacey Ryan is I'm playing the EP. I'm playing guitar for about half the show. I've got tracks and a band and I'm doing some of the new stuff too that I'm teasing on TikTok. That'll be really fun to do. What about live. the flute? Does the flute make an appearance? It does not make an appearance, unfortunately. Oh. What about the flute? <laughs> it does not make an appearance. But I, I tell some stories and I sing some songs and I talk to the crowd and it's a good time. You act out entire episodes of the Thundermans oh in the God. middle of the show. Can you imagine? Doing all the parts. You know, it's so funny. People come up to me sometimes and it'll be like, can you do the voice? Like do the Phoebe voice. And I'm like, isn't it my voice? Yeah, that's I, yeah. I was like, that's, that's I weird. Know, it's not like you have a French accent or something. Like, I'm like, I can call you through the phone, and it'll sound more like it's on a television screen, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely don't do that. But well, we'll let you go here in a second. But before we do, we have one of these rapid fire question and answer games, like all podcasts are supposed to have. Yay. Ours, <laughs> ours is ours. It's called. Uh, our, oh yeah, ours is called What's Your Deal? So first question. It's like, what's your deal? <laughs> Guilty pleasure TV show. Love Island. Love Island. Uh, okay. And these uh, are all questions that have nothing to do with your career. That's kind of what the point of this is. Like, these are like, okay, so. I'm so happy with that. <laughs> favorite fast food. I don't really eat fast food, which I know Are you sounds vegetarian stupid. or vegan. I forgot to Snobby ask. Snobby and stupid. I was vegan, and then I was vegetarian, and then I started dating someone who cooks, and it all went out the window. Mm. Oh man! Because um, we're both foodies, and I was like, I like yeah. this more. I just, you know, priorities. Yeah. Um, I don't really eat fast food, but um, I'm trying to think of my favorite like junk food approximation. Sweet or salty? Uh, How about that? Sweet or salty? Oh, oh, I mean, it's not considered fast food necessarily, but like my favorite bar serves this fish and chips. That's like the best thing I've ever had in my life. Yeah, like bar food. Yeah. Yeah, bar food. And also, like, I die for a sweet potato fry. See, I, my, let's talk about my mom. My mom, like, I hate sweet potatoes and my mom loves them and it drives her crazy. Okay. Anyway. We were um, so close <laughs> to be friends and now we can't be friends anymore. What a shame. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. What would you be doing if you weren't in the entertainment industry? Yoga teacher. A teacher? Yoga teacher. Wow. Oh, yoga oh teacher. I, are, you, do you, are you a daily yoga person? I am very much a daily yoga person. Say sunrise. I have and hardly. But yeah, I've had a I've had a consistent like practice, just like a vinyasa flow practice since I was like 10. And then I've gotten really into like yoga sculpt, you know, the the slightly gentrified but very fun uh, you know, loud music and weights and cardio yoga that is very popular in LA. And uh, it's sort of the one hobby that I have left that I haven't monetized. It's just for me that I get a lot of joy out of. And it was right before the pandemic started, I was about to do my teacher training. And then the pandemic hit and the teacher training was like online. And I was like, I'm scared about the world. I don't want to practice yoga through a screen. Like, I'm just going to wait. 
but it is still on my list of things of like whenever I end up with a bout of free time that is just for me, that's something that gives me a lot of joy. And so I would be a yoga teacher specifically. I would do like travel yoga retreats and just travel around the world and like teach. Wow. Yoga nice, nice. When you go to a show, do you like to be VIP in the suite, <laughs> nice, air conditioned, or do you like being in the crowd, like with all the people? I want to be in the crowd, but I mean, a backstage pass doesn't hurt, especially if it's access to like nicer bathrooms, you know, than porta potties at a festival. Good um, answer. You like did the hybrid. You like did the, you know, a little bit of both. Yeah. I always want to be, I mean, if there is standing room, I would prefer to be standing. I think sitting down during a concert sucks. I went to a concert once with a group of friends who had like bought the tickets and we were like way, way, way in the back of the Hollywood Bowl and everyone was sitting because we were pretty far from the stage. And I was like, what are you doing? So I like stood up and was like dancing and jumping and singing. And by the end of the concert, like half of our half of our section had stood up with us and was enjoying the show. So yeah, always standing, always dancing. Also, I always try to be like the perfect audience member for the artist if possible, because I just know when I'm on stage, I feel so much more confident and and happy when people are, you know, making eye contact or singing along. So I always try to like be giving them my full attention and like singing the words and like cheering them on because I just know it makes me feel good when I'm on stage. Liquor or beer? Okay. Liquor. <laughs> Liquor. I don't understand beer, you guys. I'm sorry. You don't understand beer? Like the appeal of beer it is or... disgusting. It's not my thing. It's not sweet. And it tastes like what does it taste like? Beer. Hops and it tastes yeah. like grass. It tastes like dry grass. <laughs> Carbonated grass. I will say I've had a couple of experiences where I was like, okay, I can maybe see the appeal here. I was I was uh, visiting some family recently and for like my uncle's birthday, and they put together a, a brewery tour where we got to do a tasting of like 30 or 40 different beers and getting to like talk to someone who knew about the ins and outs and like learn about the flavor profiles and try them all. I was like, okay, I see how this would be fun. But like, if you're choosing, if you're offering me beer or almost anything else, I will, I will pick the anything else. And also I think home brewing is really dorky. When guys say they like home brew, I think it's super dorky. Remember like, the kombucha fad, you guys? I was just about to say, if you're home brewing, really doing that. I'm not mad about it. My dad was home brewing kombucha for a minute, which saved me. Is it as good though? Yeah, it was great. He was making uh June, shine june it was made with uh honey in addition to the tea it's made with green tea and honey instead of black tea like normal kombuchas and it was freaking delicious damn sounds good yeah. i yeah i think kombucha and beer brewing home it's two totally different things two totally yeah. different things different processes yeah 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 but if you do brew kombucha enough it does become alcoholic heads up <laughs> heads up we found out the hard way yeah just in case <laughs> Just in case you were going to make some for your children, just be aware. <laughs> um, what do you listen to in the car? So much. Depends on the kind of drive. Um, right now, I'm prepping to go on tour, which means I'm mostly listening to things that I can sing to, to like build up endurance and build oh. up my voice strength. Using it as um, kind of like training, like like yeah. kind of like practice. Totally. Because I do like a 45-minute vocal lesson every morning, which... Uh, helps but it's just so boring after a certain amount of time doing the same lessons over and over so uh that's a really fun way to train so right now i'm listening to Maisie peters's most recent full album you signed up for this and then the soundtrack she did for the tv show trying those are really good records for me to sing when i'm prepping for tour because they live in like a really healthy part of my voice that i can really work on um but if i want to just like if i'm on a long drive i'll usually put on whatever like rap i listened to in high school just so i can focus on like remembering all the words you're not really a podcast person like when you're in the 
I have a couple of podcasts, but I don't tend to do that in the car. That's more when I'm like cleaning the apartment or like going about my daily tasks. I'm the opposite. I'm podcasts in the car, music at home. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. I will say I definitely go through phases depending on how much music I'm making where I just need quiet (laughs) and I don't listen to anything. I like, I get so into the silence every now and then. Um, even to the point where I'll like kick my boyfriend out and just be like, I just need, I need zero decibels for the next 10 hours. And then once that's over, I'm like, ah, and then I'm ready to listen to music and podcasts again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she says zero DBs. I'm zero. Bye. <laughs> I love you. I'll see you in 10 hours. <laughs> Last one. We'll leave you after this. Hiking in LA. Is it lame or fun and refreshing? It's great, depending on when and where you go and who you're with, like anything else. I feel like it's the most polarizing thing. Like there are people who are like, hiking is so da-da. And then people are like, I love it every morning, you know? I mean, it's, yeah. It depends on what your definition of hiking is too. Like if you're from Colorado and you come to LA expecting a hike. I mean, I'm in LA hiking. I mean like going into the canyon. Yeah, it's a trail. It's a trail walk and it's lovely. A trail walk. There you go. I, I have a lot of really fond memories from, you know, getting up with my friends, like hung over after a party and we don't want to like do a proper workout, but we want to move. And you just go on like a beautiful little hike. You get a little bit of a sweat on. You don't feel so terrible about yourself. You get a little bit of sunshine. You're all in it together. Um, I also have a couple of hikes that I absolutely love to do at sunset because you can just get a beautiful view of the town. So that's always nice. You know, mm-hmm. there are some hikes that are better than others. There's- the trails are awesome, right? I have this one friend, one of my first hiking experiences in LA, Victoria, actually, Jordan, we have this, who's also an actor on Days of Our Lives. She has this thing where she'll like, yeah, yeah, Demi, Demi being humble, Demi, Demi, what? Yeah, Demi went to LaGuardia and like, like went to high school with a lot of people who are, yeah. Oh my gosh, crazy. Yeah, no, Victoria and I used to hang out. I feel like she was dating oh, someone wow. who was friends with someone who I was friends with or something like that. Like, I don't know. She, there was this one group of friends where we were always at the parties together, but I don't actually remember why. Yeah. But yo, yeah, she has this, this uh, habit of we'll, we'll go on hikes and she just likes to go off the trail. So I think I'm going on this nice, like <laughs> she would go off the trail, route okay. and she just wants to go. And she's like, no, but look, like you can also walk up here. Look, there's, there's people that, that have been there before. There's like, there's some footsteps. I'm like, dude, that's not, we're going to fall off that's the cliff. end up on Dateline. I do the same happened thing before. I do the same lost. Thing. Yeah. There's this beautiful hike in Burbank that you like hike up to this tree and then that's the top. And there's like a treasure box and notes and like stone statues and stuff. Like, if you go over the hill, you can go down and find like a little enclave where you get like a private view of the city. And it's terrifying. It's like straight down. No. But I always, I always bring people there. I like the, I like the challenge. Yeah. You LA people. I know. Crazy. Crazy. Do you feel like an LA person at this point, even though you're yeah. a Jersey girl? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I did basically elementary school in Jersey, middle school in Florida, and high school and my adulthood in LA. So I feel more connected to LA. Yeah. I feel like LA is the absolute worst and the best place in the world, entirely depending on who you are surrounded by. That's super and accurate. I, I've paid my dues. I've I spent my time in LA to really figure out what parts of LA feel like bullshit and what parts of LA feel inspiring and fun and great so now i feel very at home yeah in LA. Um, so yeah all right guys that'll be it thank you kira for spending time with us hang out with us talking about your music 
we look forward to what comes after the EP. And I hope there's some kind of fall tour because I know you're doing these a few summer shows and and we'll see what's going on. So yeah, thank absolutely. you much. Thank you. Yeah, I've got these tours, these shows with Stacy. I've got a show uh, in Oceanside and a show in Jacksonville during the fall. And I'm teasing a bunch of the new music right now on my TikTok. So anyone who's listening, if you want like show information or new music or whatever, come find me. Um, it's just my name like everywhere on the internet. So, so. you you have Kira Coaster on, on across the board on Kira all your Coaster social. across the board, BB, except nice. for uh, Duolingo, in which case somebody Duolingo Duolingo <laughs> doesn't count as like a social media. No, how how weird is that though? At 24 years old, I was like, I'm gonna learn a language. Sign up for my little Duolingo. Put in my username. And they're like, this name is already taken. And I know for a fact I'm the only Kira Kosterin. So somebody is somebody stealing my swag. They even had a picture of me as their profile. I was like, who's pretending oh, who's acting on Duolingo? Anyway, I'll see yeah, you on the internet. Weird. <laughs> All right, Kira. We'll talk to you later. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye there was Kira Kosterin. Her new EP is out, and she's doing shows across the country, East Coast, West Coast. What's going on, Demi? We we didn't Demi and I usually talk before uh, before and after the show. Uh, before had some technical show, difficulties. Had some technical difficulties. I want to shout out Demi. You are one of the most loyal friends I have. Um, Demi, this is what Demi oh. did. I left some stuff in my old apartment in Brooklyn. Demi went and got it on a freaking city bike, rode into Bedsty, and got my stuff. And and she's going to send it out here. So thank you so much, Demi, for being. A good friend and doing that kind of thing for me of course what the hell yeah. it was interesting the new people that live in your old apartment are definitely interesting they have like a snake now yeah there's, like a, there's a snake in there yeah i was like yeah, wow yeah. this is yeah. but it's a nice apartment jordan yeah 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 all right guys thank you so much for listening to it's real with jordan demi of course you always go on spotify wherever you get your podcast iHeartRadio, listen to past episodes and of course watch us the video version on youtube and facebook until next time we'll see you later